This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is brought to you by the Self-Care for Teachers School Staff Wellbeing and Resilience Sessions. I'm taking bookings now for the 2021 Student Free Days and Twilight Sessions for school sessions on cultivating a culture of wellbeing in your school staff. In-person presentations are available in Queensland only or the online training is available Australia-wide with tiered pricing options so that small schools and state schools can access the training equitably. Send your inquiries to hello at selfcareforteachers.com.au now. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritise your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hi everyone, I want to talk to you today about my 2021 predictions for the teacher health, well-being, resilience space in Australia, but more broadly as well. I'm really keen for your feedback as well if you are, well, definitely if you are Australian, but also if you're listening, tuning in from further afield, love to hear your feedback on this and what you think the trends are as well. So I've got nine, I've just been making a little list and I've got nine trends that I am noticing and so I'm keen to share them with you. So Number one, I think that, and this is a good thing, I think that schools are going to continue to be taking on board the the message of well-being. It's finally, I think it's finally getting through. But I think the trend is that it will continue to be hit and miss. So what teachers tell me is that, you know, their school is doing something related to well-being. They're saying they have a well-being strategy or they have a well-being club or the social club is now doing a little bit more than just a morning tea once a term. You know, now maybe they're doing something in mental health week or something like that. So there is some kind of school-related, school-focused well-being for staff as well as for students, but it's hit and miss. And I think that that trend will continue. I think the trend of schools acknowledging that this is an issue, that this is a thing, is going to continue, but I think it really is very individual as to whether or not the school leaders are, I suppose, taking that message on board truly and really, or whether it's a performative thing, whether they're treating it like a tick box activity, whether the school leaders are actually actively engaged in the process of supporting their own well-being and, and making sure that they themselves are well or addressing their own needs or whether or not the school leaders are fairly disconnected from that idea individually and therefore whatever measures are happening in the school kind of fall flat. So I think that that number one trend is that, you know, this concept of teacher well-being, of staff well-being, of the adults who work in the school and their health and well-being as important as the students I think that trend will continue, but I, th- like I said, it will continue to be hit and miss. That's my prediction for 2021. But still, I do think that we need to acknowledge that we've come a long way because, you know, five years ago when I started self-care for teachers, it really, it was very unusual for any kind of staff or teacher wellbeing things to be happening in school. So it's become more mainstream, 
but I think it is a bit hit and miss still. So that's my number one prediction. On the back of that, my second prediction is that I think the well-being champions, the concept of a member of staff who is a kind of champion for the well-being of students and of staff, I think that that trend is really taking off. I think that, that we're going to see that to be a much uh, bigger part of uh, schools and of teacher well-being more broadly in 2021 because I do think that this acknowledgement of teacher well-being or of staff well-being in schools, the fact that it's even being acknowledged, I think is really due to the efforts of individual well-being champions. For the most part, it is due to the efforts of individual well-being champions in schools who have been blabbing on about this for years, right? Really, it's that staff member or that colleague that you've got who's always raising the issue of student well-being, who's doing lots of things in their own classroom or extracurricular stuff for the student's well-being, but who is also actively and proactively encouraging their colleagues to be taking care of themselves as well and kind of raising the question with admin. So I still think it's very early days in in terms of the kind of uh, well-being champions movement. I still think it's very early days, but I, you know, I held a couple of well-being champion meetups in November and they were wonderful and so encouraging. Um, and I can't wait to get a couple of those people who in their schools are quite far along, you know, two or three years into the idea of having not just one well-being champion, but a whole well-being committee, a whole well-being club that's, again, not hit and miss, but is actually really organized and doing good work and doing lots of initiatives, not just a you know social club lunch once a term, which just FYI is not well-being. That's social. It's broadly can be categorized as, you know, something to do with staff well-being. But if what is happening in your school that is being called a well-being committee is actually the social club, there's lots and lots of room to move there. But so trend number two, I think, is really that concept of the well-being champion taking off. I really do see it taking off. I'm going to be working with a bunch of well-being champions in 2021 to make sure that in their schools, whether they already have something established, a well-being club or a, you know, staff wellness committee or whatever they're calling it in their school, whether that's already established, and in some cases it is, like I said, the two or three years in, or whether they are starting from scratch, that is something that I think is going to continue. And I think it is, you know, I do think that trend is being led by individual staff members. So if that's you, if you are the person in your school, or even if you're not yet, but you want to be, who really cares deeply about student and staff well-being and you want to be known as the well-being person in your school or you already are, you know, unofficially known as the well-being person in your school, then make sure you're subscribed to the podcast uh, and obviously following me on Instagram at Self-Care for Teachers because I am going to be doing more in this space in 2021 because I, I just think it's really exciting that, and it's the convergence of trend one and two, right? It's exciting that this concept of staff well-being is no longer kind of weird. And I think whether or not there's anything happening in your school, majority of schools acknowledge that it's happening now. It's pretty mainstream is what I'm trying to say. But also, you know, I do think it's being the fact that it's mainstream is now is being driven by these individual well-being champions who have just been spreading this message and, you know, continually raising the question in staff meetings or on student free days when you're doing the staff 
inductions and PDs and that sort of thing, just continually raising the questions, but pressing on this message of, hey, adults matter too. Yes, of course, we want to look after the student well-being, but what are we doing about the grown-ups in the room? So I do think that that well-being champion trend is going to continue, and I'm so excited about it because, like, that's how movements happen, is individual people in their little pockets of the world all, you know, carrying through on the message and ripples happening, you know? The ripples are spreading out. I forget what that metaphor is. Butterflies' wings and ripples in the pond, I forget. Anyway, it's happening, right? It's happening and I'm excited about it. So that's trend number two. Trend number three is I think that education policy and kind of education departments, you know, policies and mandates, I think that that will continue to be problematic. A lot of the expectations that we're seeing, the workload is unreasonable. The extra things being put on teachers are due to the changes from the pandemic. I think that that will continue to be problematic. But I also do think that the the acknowledgement of teacher well-being and student well-being will continue to be recognised by education departments and in education policy. And we're seeing different whispers about that in different states in Australia at the moment. So I think that trend number three is that the education departments are finally acknowledging this, but it is performative at the moment. In, in my view, it is still performative and I think it will continue to be performative next year. Like It's a tick box activity. They're talking the talk, but the actual expectations haven't really changed and there's not a lot of real movement in that regard. So it doesn't feel real. It's hard to trust when you know certain politicians say things like teachers matter at the beginning of pandemics and you know teachers should step up for schools and for you know vulnerable children as if that's not what we've been doing all along so i think it's being recognized at least again there's lip service being paid to the health and well-being of the adults who work in schools but the trend i guess that i'm seeing is that it's still really surface level and i think that that will continue into 2021 so that's trend number 3 Trend number four is on a similar vein. I think that our teachers' unions will continue to be really important, but also not the be-all, end-all, right? I think that unions are absolutely necessary. Here in Australia, I would not recommend anybody step foot in a classroom without being a member of their relevant teachers' union for whatever state or territory you work in because you need the protection of the union, essentially. That being said, unions are not miracle workers. They are working within the bounds of the government of the day. And it's a really tricky one because I hear a lot from teachers that they're really frustrated with the union. Like this year in Queensland, there were some really controversial decisions that the union supported that were, like I said, controversial, right? So I think that trend number four is that unions will continue to be necessary and they are absolutely working towards teacher health and well-being but I also think they're kind of hamstrung and we just we need to be careful about the expectations we're placing on unions in that regard so I think the trend will be I guess that that's going to continue that unions are necessary but that people are kind of frustrated because they're not able to actually affect the change that maybe people want or are expecting so that's trend number four trend number five I you know is something that I've been noticing more and more and more, and that is that teacher well-being 
businesses, teacher wellness businesses um, are increasing. So this is something that I have been noticing for years because people send me DMs and say, hey, Ellen, how did you do what you've done? I want to do what you're doing. And so I've been noticing this for years, but particularly this year in 2020, I'm seeing a lot more businesses or like organizations, Instagram pages and, and Facebook groups and that kind of thing popping up that are teacher health and well-being and wellness related. I have to say, I've been, like I said, I've been in this game for five years. I've also seen a lot come and go. And I think that trend will continue. That's like a sub-trend. But yes, I think that, that the fifth trend that I'm, I'm predicting will happen in 2021 is that there will continue to be more and more businesses or organizations promoting this message of teacher wellness and teacher well-being. So there's more options for teachers who want some support outside of work, who want to go and work with an individual practitioner. The thing is, there, you know, some are more rigorous than others. Some, and I'm not knocking anyone by the way, but there are like life coaching is an unregulated industry. There are huge variations in the in the rigor of life coaching courses. You can do like a 12 to 18 month one like I did, which had very rigorous assessment. And then I've obviously gone and updated and done lots more study and qualification since in various modalities. And you can also do like a four hour weekend workshop and get a certificate and call yourself a coach. Like it's an unregulated industry. So you need to do your homework in terms of, but having said that also, there are some brilliant people who don't necessarily have a certificate who are doing great work in the world. So it's one of those tricky things. And I predict that that will continue in 2021 because I just, I do think that this concept, this thing that is people paying attention and acknowledging that the health and well-being of educators and the staff that work in schools is important. It's becoming more mainstream, both in schools and also in the private sector. So I think that we're going to continue to see businesses either hopping on that bandwagon, like, you know, like big organizations like Beyond Blue and stuff, jumping in and providing some resources there, but also individual businesses starting to enter that space more and more. So I think that's a trend that's going to continue. And I think overwhelmingly, that's a positive thing. I think the more people sharing this message, the better. And I also think, you know, there's there's a lot of variation in the different, I suppose, the different approaches that the different people have, different businesses have. And that's a good thing too, because as we know, with our students, there is no one size fits all. We need to differentiate for the different different needs. So it's good that there's options out there for teachers and schools as well in terms of meeting the different needs and where you're at, right? Like what works for you might not be what works for the person in the staff room next to you and what appeals to them or really resonates for them might not be what works for you. And that's good, right? So that's trend number five. Along the same vein, trend number six, I think that the positive psychology movement and you know, the positive education movement will continue to dominate the space, like the, you know, the teacher well-being space. But there are alternative approaches and there are, you know, like my approach tends to be much more grounded in physiology than the science of positive psychology. I'm not qualified in positive psychology, although I've read a lot of books on it and that sort of thing. And I'm absolutely supportive of it. And I love the PERMA model, but there are other I suppose approaches out there, something I'm really enjoying learning about lately is polyvagal theory and, you know, learning about trauma and learning about intersectional feminism and how that, how some of those systems like patriarchy and um, white supremacy impact all of us and negatively impact all of us. 
and unlearning some of that. So like there's a lot of other ways to approach this problem of teacher burnout, teacher attrition, teacher ill health. And I think that's good. Again, we need a variety of approaches because we all have a variety of needs. But I do think that positive psychology and the positive education movement will continue to dominate the space. And so I'm looking forward to learning and diving even more into that next year. Like I said, it's not my main focus. I tend to be much more focused and grounded in the the physiology side of things. And Stuart, my husband, who is an exercise physiologist, has sort of come on board to provide some exercise physiology services under the banner of self-care for teachers as well. So, you know, there's different ways to, uh, I was going to say skin a cat, but I have a cat and I don't want to skin her. So there's different ways to approach this, but I think positive psychology will continue to be a really dominant one. Um, So that is trend number six. And then trend number seven is I think that student well-being will continue to be given much more attention than teacher well-being at the national level, you know, the political level, the media level. And, you know, definitely after this year and in recent years anyway, like pre-pandemic, pretty much everything that we have seen other than the actual COVID-19 disease, a lot of the other ramifications that have been brought to the forefront and amplified this year existed before, right? It's just that this new global situation has amplified and exacerbated a lot of those. But I think that the student well-being piece and, and really looking at student mental health and student trauma and, you know, being much more supportive of, of those things in schools and addressing those things in schools. You know, we saw some funding, we've seen funding in New South Wales and Victoria and various other initiatives around the place addressing that. I think that student wellbeing will continue to get a lot of the airtime, I suppose. And I think that's because a lot of the people who are, you know, tuning into those airwaves, like watching general TV and, you know, news reports and things, they connect generally a lot more with the concept of being a student because everyone's been a student themselves and most are parents. So that concept of student well-being is a really, it's a very emotive issue and people pay attention to that. And look, that's good because we care about that too. So we just, that's the trend I think is that it will continue to dominate in terms of funding and policy and media and just being given more attention. And so I, I think that our job then is to make sure that we are in our own schools, but also more broadly communicating the message that student well-being is intricately linked with teacher well-being. You cannot have one without the other. And healthy, resilient teachers are much better able to support and cater to the various needs of students in their classroom, whether they be academic needs or social emotional needs or much more serious kind of mental health trauma-related things. So that trend, I think, leads back to the trend number two of the well-being champions being so much more important in 2021 and, and going forwards, because I do think it's about reinforcing that message that student well-being and teacher well-being are intricately linked. So that's trend number seven, that the student well-being will, will continue to be given, you know, more attention. Trend number eight, and I've kind of alluded to this already, trend number eight that I think think is going to continue in 2021 is that this concept, this acknowledgement, this movement of, you know, paying attention to the the well-being of staff in schools is being really led from the bottom up. 
And that encourages me because it means that it's more likely to stick around. Like when things are top down, when they're either implemented by an individual school leader in a school, the principal or the deputy principal or someone implementing something in a school, or if it's even further top down, like department level, policy level, two things happen. One, if that person leaves, if that principal or deputy principal, whoever, who was kind of pushing for that initiative, if they leave, it usually stops. But also anything that is top down tends to have a, a lot less ownership from the people it's, it's impacting. And in the case of, you know, teacher health and well-being and school staff health and well-being, it's so important that we as individuals have ownership of that because it is there is absolutely a professional aspect to it and we we need schools and, and education organizations to be on board but it is primarily individual as well and so it needs to be you know bottom up and it needs to be grassroots and it needs to be being driven by the people who it is impacting and being engaged with and shaped and evolved by the people that it is impacting so that trend number eight is that I think that it is bottom up and it is continuing to be bottom up and that's a good thing as much as I know that it's really frustrating for those of you who are in schools where the principal or the school leadership team is not on board either paying lip service to you know health and well-being of, of staff but not really doing anything about it sort of tick box activity approach or where the leadership in your school is actively, you know, anti-well-being. Like, man, some of the stories, are, now I have to say, I've heard stories of great principals as well, but I do hear stories from across the country of principals saying things to their staff like, I don't believe in work-life balance um, and other kind of negative, very damaging messages. And, and I know that it's very difficult to be in schools like that, but the fact that this movement is being led from the bottom up by teachers on the ground, school staff on the ground, is very promising because I think that that means that over the long term it's going to, it's got to shift, right? It's got to change. And that's what I've seen over the last five years, five and a half years. I have really seen this become more mainstream and not be a, a, a weird woo-woo thing, but just be a given. Yeah, of course, the adults in the school matter as well as the students. So that sort of trend number eight of this being a bottom-up grassroots kind of a movement, I think that will continue and I think that's really, really good. As much as I know it's challenging if you are in a school where, you know, the leadership is not is still not there. And then trend number nine is that I think that teachers are increasingly and will continue to take that ownership and to invest in their own health and well-being investing their money but also their time and their resources in their own personal health and well-being and I think that that is going to continue and I think that that's also very very positive because finally I feel like this message is getting through yes your workplace matters yes education policy matters like it's a wicked problem I've talked about this before it's not a quick fix to say and and self-care is not a replacement for organizational well-being or safe workplaces or sustainable workloads. It's not a replacement for, for those things. But I think finally this message is getting through to the general, you know, population of teachers and school staff that you are the one with the vested interest in your health and well-being. So you've got to make it the priority. Nobody else can do that for you. 
like I said, it's not a replacement for school well-being processes or safe workplaces or sustainable, reasonable workloads. It's not a replacement for any of those things. But I think finally, this is trend number nine that I that I am seeing and I think will absolutely continue and continue to grow in um, 2021 is that teachers are taking ownership of their own health and well-being as people first and teachers second and investing in it, investing money, yes, but also time and energy and attention and care into their own health and well-being and and cultivating resilience, knowing that it's not a once done, it's little by little, gradually over time. So that I think is a, a very promising trend. And again, they're all kind of interlinked because nothing about teacher well-being exists in a vacuum. It's always linked to student well-being and what the politicians are saying in the media and the culture and sort of climate of your school and the the just the life stage that you're in and the you know more broad societal factors that then impact things like student behavior like it's all related it's all connected so all of these trends you can see are interconnected interrelated and that's okay that's as it should be Uh, so i'll just read through them again so trend number one for 2021 is that schools be taking on board and continue to take on board this message of staff and, and teacher well-being, but it will continue to be hit and miss. Two, trend number two is that well-being champions, individuals in schools who are really championing this message will continue to be a big part of it and I think actually a much growing part of this movement. Trend number three, I think, is that education policy and education department expectations will continue to be problematic, but at least they're paying lip service. They're kind of acknowledging it now, even if they haven't changed any of the sort of fundamental things that they have control over that would make an impact. Number four, similarly, I think unions will continue to be really important and just necessary, but not able to you know, they can only go so far, which leaves teachers feeling unsatisfied, but they're definitely on board with the teacher wellbeing, you know, message. Trend number five for 2021 is that I think teacher wellbeing businesses, there's more and more of them, you know, cropping up in addressing various aspects, having various approaches to teacher health and wellbeing and school staff health and wellbeing. You know, like I said, I've seen a lot of that come and go over the last five years, but I'm seeing more and more of it. And I'm I think that's a good thing because when the private sector gets involved, they're recognising that this is a real problem and that there is opportunity for them. The private sector is recognising there's opportunity for them here. That's because it's a real thing. (laughs) So I think that it's positive. And it's also positive because it's great to have options because not every practitioner, not every style will suit every person. But I am seeing a lot more, you know, teacher wellbeing businesses popping up around the place. And just I always recommend doing your homework because, yeah, they're not all as rigorous as each other. So just make sure that you're doing your homework as to who is uh, delivering those sorts of things. Number six, trend number six is sort of along those veins. I think that the positive psychology, positive education movement will continue to really dominate the, the teacher wellbeing, the staff wellbeing space in Australia. But more and more there are the alternative things coming in and being recognised because positive psychology is great, but it's not the whole picture. So I think it's still going to be the dominant in 2021, but there's more and more other options happening as well. Trend number six, I think that student wellbeing will continue to be getting the majority of the airtime and the kind of public-facing, you know, media and politicians and, and education policy. I think that student wellbeing and student welfare 
factors will continue to get most of the attention. And then our job is to make sure that we are communicating within our schools and in the you know wider public that student well-being is intricately linked with teacher well-being and staff well-being, and therefore both matter. Trend number eight again is that this movement is well underway and it is being led is really grassroots, like it's really being led from the bottom up, from individual teachers and individual schools going, this matters, we're going to do something about this in our little pocket of the world and the ripples are happening. So that is trend number eight. I think it's really starting to, you know, it's starting to spread and it's starting to become more mainstream because of that bottom up grassroots movement. And trend number nine that I am seeing that I think will absolutely continue in 2021 is that teachers are taking ownership of their health and well-being. And again, this is not, does not mean that what happens at the school level and what happens at the national level doesn't matter. Of course it does. But teachers are taking ownership of the things that they have control over and investing money, time, energy, resources, investing in their own health and well-being and taking ownership of that, taking responsibility of the things that, that they can actually control because that's That's the thing. You're a person first and a teacher second. You can't control all the aspects that impact you as a teacher, but you can control a lot of the things that you do, you know, the personal well-being habits you have control over and huge amount of that. And you deserve to feel well or you deserve to be getting treatment or healing for the things that are going on for you that need treatment and healing. So, you know, take that into your own hands. You have the the biggest vested interest in that. So I hope that in 2021, if you're not already part of that trend number nine, that you you come and join trend number nine, which is this, you know, this movement of teachers taking ownership of their own health, well-being and resilience and doing what they can, what you can, because you can't control everything, doing what you can to support yourself because you're a person first and a teacher second and you deserve it, right? So I've got a few things coming out over the next couple of months. Obviously, it's Christmas, it's the end of the school year, and I am going to be taking some time off. The magic of the internet means there will still be some some bits and pieces going out to you. I will take a few weeks off the podcast, but it'll be back again in 2021, like it has been for the last three years in a row. And so just make sure you are subscribed to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast in your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any episodes when new ones drop. And also make sure you're following me on Instagram at Self Care for Teachers. And I'm on Facebook as well at Self Care for Teachers. But I'm spending a lot of time on Instagram, more time on Instagram than I am on Facebook lately. So make sure you're following me and happy to hear your feedback. Jump in the DMs. I am enjoying that at the moment. I'm enjoying that aspect of Instagram. And yeah, make sure you're uh, subscribed to the podcast. I said that already. And the other thing I want to tell you about, if you are part of this trend of number nine of teachers investing in themselves, then I would like to invite you to get the self-care system mini course that I am, it's still in pre-sale technically at the moment, things are being uploaded this week and next week. But so grab the self-care system mini course and self-care planner and habits tracker. It is in my, um, the link is in my Instagram bio and, you know, it's really going to help you support yourself over the school holidays, do some good reflection of, I suppose, where you're at. And now's a great time to do that. If you're listening to this at the end of the school year, when it, you know, now, now's a great time to really do some reflection because it's really easy to start the school year. Once you've had six weeks holiday, you're feeling refreshed. It's really easy to start the school year and, and feel like, oh, none of those things that were a problem last time will happen again. Last year, no, I know I said 
in term four that I was never going to do that, you know, committee again or whatever it is, but it's fine. I've got lots of energy. I'll do it. It's really easy at the start of the school year to set yourself up because you have a lot of energy for things in an unsustainable way. So now's a good time to be thinking about that and doing that reflecting. Um, so grab the self-care system mini course and the healthy habits planner. It will help you with that. There's also two live workshops coming in the next couple of weeks. The first one is on the, which is a kind of 2019 review will be on the 30th of January, 2020. And then the 2021 kind of vision resolution, whatever you want to call it, workshop will be on the 5th of January, Tuesday, the 5th of January. You get access to those if you have enrolled in the mini course. So grab that. It's not a quick fix. It is a system that will help teach you to make micro changes, basically micro changes 1% at a time each week, each month, so that your health and well-being is a sustainable thing over the year, right? It's not just for school holidays. The, you know, your practices, your habits stick throughout the term as well. And of course, have a beautiful, safe, happy holidays. Stay home if you're sick, get COVID tested if you're sick. And as always, remember you are a person first and a teacher second, and you're so worthy of your own care. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories, and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher wellbeing and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.